you had it all on the inside, on the outside. Yeah. And yet I still had to close the door and do pep talks with myself in the mirror, feeling awful mm. in order to go out mm. and deal with the weight of my blessings. How many of us wake up exhausted and we hit a wall in the yes. afternoon and then around seven, eight o'clock, dinner time, we're fine. And then around seven, eight o'clock, it's like, why am I so tired? Nine, nine thirty. Yes. 10 o'clock hits, second win. All of a sudden, more energy than we had all day. We fall asleep. We sleep like the dead. And then between two and three o'clock in the morning, it's like anything can wake us up. This most yes. subtle noise can wake us up. After about four o'clock, we fall back into a really deep sleep and we're out like a light until the alarm go goes off. And then all of a sudden we're exhausted. Feminine rebellion. Today I have a really amazing guest. And, and the crazy part is I just really dove in with her and got to know her last week. And when she shared what she was doing, it's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> when, when she shared what she was doing in the world, I was like, hot damn, you need to get on the podcast. And I zipped her in this week because you just, you, we have to dive into the wisdom that Dr. Mal has to offer all of us. Um, so let me introduce Dr. Mal to you. Dr. Mal is a stress and hormone specialist for ambitious, high achieving, but tired women in business. This is so many of us. She's revolutionizing the narrative on nervous system regulation, hormonal balance, and stress biology by teaching women how to tap into their inner design and unlock capabilities they never new possible. I mean, just that line hits me right in the heart. Her mission is to ensure that women have the right, and this is emphasis on right, science-backed personal development and health strategies to sustain an exceptional quality of life, optimal health, and next level satisfaction while they build world-class companies. You can see why I have brought her on today. Dr. Mal, like seriously, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Feminine Rebellion podcast. I'm, it's such a thrill to have you here. Um, and you're sitting in your beautiful room. It's all like neutral tones. You look so chill. You look very chill and serene on the inside. And like, you are such a badass. Like you are such a badass. And it's, you are just flipping the script on on like self-care for women. So I'm going to toss the kind of the mic, the baton over to you and allow you to kind of tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are right now. Amazing. It is so good to be here, Nadia. I remember when we met within like two minutes, we we're like, oh, we need to talk. Let's yeah. You're like, let's yeah. jump on the podcast. Um, it is so good right? to be here. Yes. And I remember you were saying, I love your background. And I was like, I'm a minimalist. And you're like, I'm a maximalist. <laughs> I am. We're like complete I opposites. It. I love it. I love it. But um, yeah, I'm happy to have the conversation. I love having these types of conversations. I loved you as soon as I met you. And so the mm, reason same, same. that I support women in business and women, and it's, it ultimately boils down to women that are paving their own way in some capacity, and they have mm. an in inherent desire to split from the crowd and stray mm. from the herd, and they have um, 
almost a fear of mediocrity and they, they want to do what they want. They're, they want their life and their desires to line up. And mm. I love it because there's an artistry and a boldness and a rebellion and often a mm. mission-driven purpose behind women in the space mm. and women in general. And so it's, and there's sort of a, a tolerance for risk-taking and, and all of those things that I deeply appreciate so much, the rebellion, the bold moves, the risk-taking, it's oftentimes mm. some of the very things that put them at a higher risk of burnout or nervous mm. system dysregulation. In fact, women mm, in business preaching to the choir yeah. here, girl. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry. Women in business are at a three times risk of mental health issues than the average population. Mm. Burnout rates are skyrocketing, and mm. so it's not. To me, it's not any fault of their own. It's the fact that we never learn the design of the nervous system. We call it anxiety, and we move on. We give it a pill, and we just say mm. what it, it is what it is. And we never really mm. know how the design works and how we are influencing it every day. And so I think that's why I love my job so much. I put a lot of emphasis, emphasis mm. on teaching the patterns, teaching the hormones, teaching how does the system work? Because if we don't know how to, it works, it usually ends up working against us, particularly mm. if you're not willing to fall in line. And that in and of itself puts you at risk. And if you are wanting to pursue a life that feels incredibly compelling, I really want you to have the tools to understand how to use your system in your favor. And so it, it, it oh like you, you mentioned like how I started it. And it's interesting because there's varying different forms of points of time where I was like, huh, and huh. So when I was a kid, mm -hmm. I had seizures and I was rushed to the hospital a few hours away and everyone was really, really panicked and they were calling me by my middle name and I didn't know why. I thought it was a mistake. And then fast forward a few hours, I had come to learn that my mother's little sister dropped dead of, of, at 20 years old and the only health history was seizures. So they assumed that figuring out what was happening with me was going to figure out one, my life was going to be cut short automatically. And two, if we could figure out what was happening with her, it answers the question of my mom's little sister, which their autopsy came up clear. So it was when I was five. And I remember this so vividly because people were so stressed out. Everyone was talking over me. And every time I would have a seizure, there was just this visceral resistance. I just felt so scared. And why is everyone mm. so panicked? And there was this one doctor, a woman. And she knelt down, she went on her knees and she looked me in the face and she said, there will be more seizures to come and you don't have to fight it. It will mm. happen, but you don't have to fight against what is. And it all, it was like something went off and I was like, huh, so we can go through stressful situations, but we can respond differently. And so I became fascinated by how do we create our own experiences? And when I oh went, my gosh. Okay. fast forward, anyway, it, they ended up going away. Not an issue. They ended up going away, not even three years later. It became a, a not issue, a non-issue. However, I was still very interested. I wouldn't say I put it together when I was five, but it was something that I was very aware of. 
one, one experience was one way, the exact same thing the next day with new information was totally different. And so I was always mm. incredibly interested in like, how do we create our own experience? And so I went into psychology, I went into neuroscience, and then I did um, my functional medicine degree in hormones, preventative medicine, because I was like, okay, well, mind connected with the body. And I went on a path of opening up the clinics and doing what everyone says you're supposed to do. And I got to the top of the mountain and I hated it. It was like I climbed the wrong mountain mm. and oh, I burned no. out. And I burned oh. out. I, I was using all the tools. I was using all the tactics. I was looking into the textbooks and it didn't work. It, it didn't work. And I mm. felt ashamed. I felt overwhelmed. And so that's when I started to recognize that maybe there is a connection. Maybe all these topics that we keep in silos, in isolation, and in separate conversations and with separate specialists actually have more to do with each other than we give it credit for. And that's when mm. I started to recognize that there is a significant overlap in how we see ourselves, how we speak to ourselves, mm. how we learn um, to operate in the world with how our nervous system responds and how our hormones respond. Mm. And mm. when we start to unpack it in that, in that way, we have the ability to gain responsibility over it than just allow it to happen to us. And those are probably the two moments where it was like, huh, we are creating our responses in life in some capacity. And mm -hmm. just because someone says you're supposed to do something and you reach the top of the mountain, it might not be your mountain. And how mm. do you really pull together what your passions are and infuse it into a way that services individuals in something that they need to hear. And so that, those are sort of mm. the two access points into what I do, I would mm. say. So, so much of what you're saying is resonating and I, and I know it will with our listeners. I mean, this visual I have of reaching the top of the mountain mm -hmm. and realizing this is not my mountain, mm -hmm. but this is just, I follow this prescribed path. Yeah. And I've achieved quote unquote success mm -hmm. or what, you know, our society would, would call success. I mean, mm -hmm. you're a doctor and a practice. You, you did all mm -hmm. the things, you checked all the boxes, you have a beautiful home and I can hear your kids in the background running around, right? Like you had it all on the inside, on the outside. Yeah. And yet I still had to close the door and do pep talks with myself in the mirror, feeling awful mm. in order to go out mm. and deal with the weight of my blessings and, mm. and cope and cope with, mm. with life. And I think, yeah, I think that's something that we, we stress is such a, it's such a, it's such a, consistent part of our lives it's not a bad thing it is it is it is what propels us forward it is what yeah, let, allows let's us dig into this yes. yeah it allows so, us what i'm sorry i cut you off. no 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 it so stress is 
My favorite definition of stress, I have no idea where I got it from. It's, it's applying pressure to our lives. So stress is how we evolve and adapt mm. through pressure. And so mm. in many a cases, it's adaptive. The reason that we've evolved out of caves is because we were able to respond to the, respond to the situation, create adaptations, and evolve. That's, that's it. Mm. Mm. So our ability to use stress in how it's designed is for us. It is not against. And so it becomes detrimental when a system that's designed to protect us becomes a system that's designed on all the time. It's, it's the very nature of how it works is it's supposed to go on when we need it, an emergency, more pressure, more tension, more focus, and go off. However, when it's relentlessly triggered, there's no more sensitivity to the on off setting. It's just on. And we're led mm. to believe that stress is something that happens outside of us. It's the person that made me mad. It's the situation that I'm going through. It's, it's the person that cut me off. But the, re the reality is that our experience of stress is only happening inside of us. Only. And that's so, so, yeah, so unpack that. So if our stress is, yeah, if it's, so a couple things you said. First of all, one, the first piece that really is hitting home for me is that stress is, is like where it is, where we adapt, where we grow. So when stress is yes. properly placed in our lives, mm -hmm. it's something that we, it, it's like a seed under the soil, right? And like the stress mm -hmm. of pushing through the soil to grow and reach the sun. That's, that's what I'm, I'm yes. seeing. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the very tension that we push against to evolve. It create and it, stress can be good stress. Having a baby is good, is stress. Moving is stress. Starting a new job that you love is stress. And so anything that applies pressure to your life, your life that requires you to push back and evolve outside of the status quo is a stress. And so stress is as an experience inside of us it's a biological alarm bell it's a call to action it's it's mobilizing resources that we need in the moment and so if this is consistently misfiring though what happens is that the undertone of stress is protection it's safety and so what happens is that we can become hypervigilant. We can, we can start projecting a fearful, or sorry, we could start projecting a, a painful past into projecting it into a fearful future. We can become guarded. We can become overwhelmed. Mm. Um, and there's a very predictable pattern of symptoms that happen when we know that the stress system is misfiring over a long enough time frame. So, and this is what, this is what many women experience. Like how many of us wake up exhausted and we hit a wall in the yes. afternoon and then around seven, eight o'clock, uh, dinner time, we're fine. And then around seven, eight o'clock, it's like, why am I so tired? Nine, nine thirty. Yes. 10 o'clock hits second wind. All of a sudden more energy than we had all day. We fall asleep. We sleep like the dead. And then between two and three o'clock in the morning, it's like anything can wake us up. This most yes. subtle noise can wake us up. After about four o'clock, we fall back into a really deep sleep and we're out like a light until the alarm go goes off. 
And then all of a sudden we're exhausted. I mean, so so that is stress Are you following me around? (laughs) Well, maybe, but that's besides the point. Um, and that, or, or having feelings of apprehension or stopping yourself or questioning yourself, feeling stuck, um, or feeling like our backs up against the wall, feeling like, uh, feeling like we are consistently at some sort of level of overwhelm or that we're rehearsing to prevent a future that feels scary. Yeah. So what, okay. So there you are, you're on the mountaintop. You've used all the quote unquote Mm -hmm. tools that you know about as a functional medicine doctor. Yeah. What's the answer? Because we live in worlds Mm -hmm. that you know, especially as women require us to be, you know, if you have children, that's a game changer for stress, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and, a, and a career and, you know, maybe a partnership and the, the expectations mm-hmm. are overwhelming, like just getting mm-hmm. up from not sleeping well and like making three lunches and then hopping into work and then handling things at home and then, you know, coming home yeah. and making dinner and getting people to bed and then finishing up more work. Like, of course we're stressed. <laughs> There's just 100%. too much. 100%. And you bring up such a good point. It's the sense of like, we're never going to eradicate stress and pressure and demand. But there is a point in our lives where we can alleviate suffering. And that suffering mm. is the additional pressure we place upon ourselves with everything else that's going on. And so that was the critical point for me. I could do all the diets, I could take all the supplements, I could do all the things. But if I didn't start to really live in a state of integrity with what I wanted and who I was, Mm. there was always going to be resistance against how I was behaving. And so like, here, let me put it this way. This is sort of the, this is how I'm, I, I love this nervous system. Do we want to go there? Yes, absolutely. But if you just pause for one second, because my audio is a little messed up. Okay, we are back, team. Um, okay, Mal, you were going to tell us about the nervous yes. system. That's right. Um, so one of the things that I find incredibly fascinating, and this was one of the, when we were talking about how I was doing all the things and it didn't really seem to land as expected or as the textbooks promised. Um, it's that it's the understanding that we, how we view ourselves and our identity is a really pivotal thing in our lives and how we create our Mm -hmm. own experiences. And so we're all a product of what we've been through. So we are conditioned, we are Mm. domesticated, we are, yes, we are, we are reward focused versions of our younger self as adults. And I think part of the nervous system is consistently trying to overcome the daily resistance between who we are and who we were Mm. told to show up to be. Mm. And that misalignment and resistance is exhausting. And so who we were told to be, the the friction of being inauthentic or the pressure of Mm. swallowing how we feel or Mm. the demand of constantly self-monitoring, 
Mm. and editing ourselves. Mm. And Amen. Yeah, the pain of dulling ourselves down or yes. we, tra- we trap energy in our systems trying to be more palatable. Mm. And I think <laughs> you're preaching. Everyone who's listening is going, fuck yes. yes. And that, and I think that's the differentiator because you talked about all the responsibilities that we have and it's like, okay, these are all the things that you have to do, but who do you have to be to do that while you do it? Who mm. do you believe you have to be? Someone so, else. Someone else. And it's yes. the game that we play. It's how it is we the are, game. We are so wired to belong that we evolve in reference yes. to other people. I have, this is what's coming up for me right now, Dr. Yes. Mal. Like, so when, um, when my kids were younger, yeah. um, everyone in my town, and I live in a very high achieving suburb of Boston. Yeah. All of the kids that my kids grew up with played multiple sports and mm-hmm. weekends were like, and I have three kids. So it was like, if my kids were going to kind of keep up mm-hmm. with the other kids in our town or, you know, or my kids just had a million different interests, yeah. I was going to be spending every weekend when I wasn't working, not relaxing, but driving from sports games to dance practice to a club soccer on the other side of the state yeah. and bringing snacks and packing snacks and scheduling sitters for those who weren't coming. And I had a breakdown. Mm-hmm. about this because I, I recognized at some point that my weekends were no longer my own and I had been conditioned to serve my kids whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. Yeah. You know, a good mother mm-hmm. is one who just, of course, you, you want to do that extra tap class a hundred percent. You want to, you know, you're excelling yeah. in baseball. We'll do the fall league. Like, yeah. Until my time wasn't my own. And I remember one winter when we had the opportunity to do all these different activities with the kids, I said, this is the winter of no sports. Mm. We are taking and, and we are going to go skiing as a family. And we are going to go to our cabin in the woods and do nothing but read by the fire. That. that was like the beginning for me yeah. of recognizing how I had been trained mm-hmm. to... Mm-hmm people please to overgive to be you know a good mom to be selfless so this is I could feel the stress yeah like and the disconnect between like the authentic self Mm -hmm. you know she who has her own desires and Mm -hmm. you know for her life and who knows what she wants versus what society has trained us to be and that, 100%. when you're talking about that being just not living in alignment, I know that alignment is yeah. like this term now that it's being thrown everywhere, but like not being congruent yeah, um, is stressful. Very stressful. Very stressful because there's what you want to do and there's what you feel you have to do. And then there's the energy mm. that it takes to do it. And one of the mm. things, the only thing that I find for me with that, that has really been helpful is, is everything that I approach, not everything, but a lot of times when I'm feeling extra tax with the kids or, or responsibilities or whatever, it's, it's, I'm doing this for my kids, but would I want this for my kids? 
Mm. Would I want my daughter to show up as an adult acting this way? <laughs> and am I willing to model that for her, for her to have Saturdays for the next two months covered, knowing what she's going to do? Mm. So that's mm. the only litmus test that I know to use with myself because mm. kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. Um, mm. And so I think that's beautiful. And it's also this almost like this, it's like, a, it's like an act of rebellion to go against mm -hmm. what everyone else is doing. Right. That it yes. is so freeing to just say, no, I, I don't buy into it, it anymore. It is. It is so freeing. I mean, especially mm -hmm. when you actually do it and yeah. you're, you're, you feel it in your body that like how good it feels. And like, no one died. No one you know? died. My, my kids are now 19, 18 and 15 and not doing winter sports. Like no one, cared. I would say, yeah, <laughs> like no one was playing professional sports right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they weren't going to. And like the time with the family yeah. was so much more nourishing than, mm -hmm. than being in the car yeah. all day Saturday. Yeah. So, okay. So the nervous system, I yeah. cut you, you know, I, no, I, I, I love it because it's even the word personality is from the word persona in Latin. And it means the mask that you wear when you're performing. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And so it's interesting. So I, I found that there's this really interesting intersection with identity and how our body responds in the nervous system and, and all of our identity and how we view ourselves. It's our behavior follows our identity. And so mm. our perspective, the collection of ideas that we have about ourselves is what is determining our behaviors and how we respond to the world. And so this is why it's so difficult to change. How many of us have come up with this amazing plan that's going to help us or nourish us for Monday and every Monday goes by and we renegotiate it's the next one. And yes, we're left feeling disappointed yet inspired that it's going to happen. And so I think it's important to understand that the brain's job is to maintain consistency. That's pretty much what it cares about. It is to maintain a state of consistency. And so personality is the mask that you wear. Identity is, it comes from the word item and it means sameness. So how can we create sameness in different environments? And so the brain's job is to, this is who you are. This is how you think. This is how you act. Now let's create the conditions that maintain that over every different environment that you're in. And so if that, now let's lean that against anxiety. Let's lean that against self people pleasing. Let's lean that against any type yes, of behavior let's. that you learn to condition to belong. Your mm -hmm. brain is designed to call that familiar and familiar outside of an emergency means safety. Right. So your level of safety for your brain is the status quo. Oh, it is what you know. It's what you know. It's what you can It's like predict. wired, wired in your body. And I mean, I, I've done a little bit of reading on epigenetics too, like yeah. the people pleasing and all of this. I mean, it's intergenerational. 
100%. Because the, so it, the trauma that we experience from one generation creates behaviors, thought patterns, and, and, and ways of emotion and emoting that mm-hmm. translate in our model for the next. Exactly. And so we keep jumping the model down the line and jumping mm. the triggers down the line because it creates the environment that expects the triggers. Mm. So what the hell do we do, Dr. Mal? Like, yeah, go ahead. I mean, so, you know, if our identity feels fixed, I mean, I'm not saying it's fixed. I know you work, but I mean, you know, the way you identify, it's like in your body, your brain wants to keep you safe. You're seeking out, you know, the same environments that keep you plugged in Mm-hmm. to this old identity, mm-hmm. how do we shift into a new identity? So I think one, I think it's important to separate ourselves out from our experience. And so oftentimes mm-hmm. when we say like, I am, or this is my identity, or this is the way that I am, we're just reinforcing the mm. fact that nothing can change. And mm. And so the, some of the interesting ways that we can tap in and start to recognize, wait a second, this isn't who I am. This is just the way that it works. This is the way that we create systems and conditions. And this is how we are conditioned to operate is understanding that for one thing, there's a phenomenon called the negativity bias, which means that we will hold on to negative information significantly more profoundly than positive information. And so just knowing that, it's not mm. a fault of yours. It's a design. It's a, it's a tenant of the design. And so mm. it's understanding that if, if our brain, if our mind and our nervous system is designed to create, create efficiency. So when we're, when we're little, we're totally self-expressed. We don't know really anything about who we are. We just start to, we start to check the box and fill in mm. the definitions of what we are. We start mm. to receive rewards for how we perform. Mm. Very mm. few are associated with being and a lot are associated with doing. Yes. And then we become adults that know how to have our needs met by how we've previously performed. And mm. so the truth is, is that we get caught in these cycles, not recognizing that we have a lot of sovereignty and influence over how the nervous system works. And so if we understand some of those tenants and we understand how it works, how do we tap into how it works in our favor? Mm. And there's three different things that I think that would be amazing to cover. One is our perception. Two is certainty. We all would love control. And three Mm. are some of the physical components of how the nervous system responds in real time. So if we were to talk about perception outside of a true emergency, now I'm talking When we are in a state of emergency or when a crisis happens, individuals that have a high stress tolerance are the ones that you call. A lot of female entrepreneurs or women in business or high achieving, ambitious women, you call them, they'll get shit done. Like they're comfortable in chaos because it's a familiar Mm. place to be. Mm -hmm. Outside of a true emergency, the response to stress that we are experiencing is in fact the understanding of the meaning that we're attaching to it. So for instance, let's give a a broad example. What did a cough mean in 2019? It meant, (laughs) right. It meant a cold, like get away from me. I don't want to get sick. What did it mean in 2020? 
everything. I could die. <laughs> so the meaning changed. The circumstance didn't. And so mm -hmm. much of what we're experiencing in terms of the elevated heart rate, the sweating, the feeling overwhelmed, I can't really focus, that sort of really visceral feeling of, of um, panic, panic <laughs> of anxiety, of stress, is mm -hmm. also associated with what we're telling ourselves, not oh, the situation. Yes. What we're telling ourselves the situation means. Yes. What we're and thinking so, about the situation. And what we're, what we're making it mean. mean. What we're making it mean what, and what we're yes. spreading it out into the future to mean. Yes. We're and smushing it all over the place. We're just, yeah. And of course we're doing that. And so and that is an evolved capability. That's sort of the, the benefit of having a complex brain that can just respond to different dynamic situations. But at the same time, what if it's not, what if there's no bearing in truth and you're having a full-blown reaction to something that's not true? Mm. Mm. or is unlikely to happen. And so that's mm. when, when we know that the inner language that we use about our situation, and we know that we are not our stress, it is an experience that we're having, we can take mm. a beat and say, okay, what's true? Give yourself mm. close answered, close end ended questions. Is it true that I didn't receive an email from this person that they're upset with me? Well, no. Is it true that I didn't receive an email? Yes. Is it true that there's other reasons I didn't receive an email? Yes. So it's <laughs> yes. It, Are you familiar with the work of Byron Katie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is like the work, like really, really looking at our thoughts and how they create suffering. One hundred percent. And that it's almost like making your thoughts account for themselves. If you're having an emotional experience, make it account for itself. Mm -hmm. Unless it's, it's, what are you explaining? What are, what are you making the situation to mean? Is it mm -hmm. true? And ask yourself, mm -hmm. the interesting thing is that the nervous system and the brain loves to close loops, which means that if you have an open problem, there's no end to your mind trying to find a solution for it. Mm. When you give it an answer, yes, no, this is true. This is not, it no longer continues to seek. Mm. It just is what it is. Seeking is really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, right. And so that it's not. It doesn't make all the stress go away, but it it diminishes the suffering, and it gives you a little mm. bit of space between what's happening and what your response is. Oh my gosh, this is. I mean, this is this is fascinating because it's. <sighs> I talk to a lot of women who mm. claim or believe, really believe there is nothing they could possibly do mm -hmm. to mitigate the stress in their lives. Mm -hmm. And what I'm always trying to remind them of is their agency, exactly. right? It's like you can, you could keep doing the same things and it's what we're making them mean. Or you also have agency over yeah. not doing them to actually exactly. step away from the herd and not participate. Exactly. Like, that's actually a choice. Like no right. one's holding you over the over a fire. You're not a witch that's no. being burned at the stake right now. It feels mm. like it. <laughs> right. But, right. But exactly. It's, but it's and that's not true. Something too. Like what are one of the what are what's the easiest way to activate stress in an animal is to corner it. Feeling trapped <sighs> in and of itself is activating. 
outside of why you're trapped. Just the feeling Uh of losing agency and feeling trapped in your circumstance is enough Mm. to activate an Mm. entire nervous system cascade. And in all the soldiers, all the, like they're coming to support you. So even understanding that you have the power of decision and agency Mm. is enough to release that feeling of I'm stuck. This is it. This work is just because, I mean, it's so illuminated, especially when you see like just, you know, the war, the devastation, everything that's happening in the world. And yes, the stress is real. And I also want to say like, you have freaking choice. Mm -hmm. If you live in North America, not to discount, but like, sometimes I just want to say like, come on. A hundred percent. There's like a tremendous amount of privilege we have, an unbelievable, yes. insurmountable, an unbelievable amount, of privilege, amount of privilege to create the lives we want to create. Yeah. So, can you um, can you tell us a little bit about like how how you're working with women right now? And because mm-hmm. I know that there are going to be women listening who are going to want to say, you know, who are going to want to hook up with you, Mal, <laughs> figure out. <laughs> you know, how, how you can help them. So I usually work with women in a three month frame. I shouldn't say three months on average, we do either a three month program or a one day intensive. And the way that that Mm. works is that three months, the first month we understand and we dive into the nervous system and the stress response. Some of that looks like, what are your patterns? Where are your blind spots? What are your triggers? follow your triggers. Mm. That's the sweet spot. How did you learn to adapt to an environment in order to belong? And where does it not fit anymore? So that's the nervous Mm -hmm. system. The second is hormones. How has your body been adapted to respond to you? And so I, I tell people, if the nervous system is the sound, hormones are the echo. So how all hormones work together Stress is actually a hormone. It's called cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine. Like there's hormones yeah. behind it. The hormone, no hormone works in isolation. So all of us have gone through periods of stress and our cycle became strange. Or all of us have gone through periods of, not all of us, but many of us have gone through periods of burnout or a lot of taxing time on our life and our physical body has changed. Yes. And so the second month is what are the patterns that are happening? Let's do a lot of testing. What are the patterns that are happening in your hormones? How is your body responding? And then the third month is um, how do we not just create a plan, but how do we start to rehearse a new identity and rehearse a new lifestyle that sustains what you want by choice rather than conditioning? And so we either do that over the course of three months or we do it over the course of a single day and we dive in really deep and get really messy. And that's how I work with individuals right now. It's so, it feels very, very inviting. And you're just, you're such a warm human being. Oh, thank um, you. I can imagine working with you is really delicious. Oh, thank you so can, much. No, it's true. It's so true. So we, we covered a lot and it's like, oh my God, I'm not even done with you. But I feel like we've hit that like that spot. I'm going to have to have you back on to continue this discussion. Um, 
I feel like there's so much to chew on I, right now. I know. There's episode. So I'm like, oh my God, but I'm not done with you. We're but you're kind of in my life. So I'm going to have yeah. your ear for a while. A hundred percent. But it's just, oh, I lost you for a second. There you are. Um, it's been such a privilege to have you here. Oh, and I wanted to ask you one more question, Dr. Val, before yeah, you go. Of course. One more question. Um, because I love to ask this question of our listeners. Um, mm-hmm. what is what is the ripple effect of your work in the world? Ripple effect. Um, I would say the ripple effect of starting to really lean into who you are versus who the world mm-hmm. has taught you to be and understand how you work is that you you get to experience life through your own lens and you get to really appreciate your life versus feel as though you are needing to feel well in others' eyes. Mm. And I think the ripple effect of that is that if we had more people that felt a little bit more sovereign and autonomous in who they are and how they operate and took more responsibility over the words that they spoke and the emotions that they felt. And then we would have a lot more harmony between individuals in my perspective. Mm. I'm with you a hundred percent on that. If we all could just come back home to ourselves and mm-hmm. live the lives that we really want to be living and loving yeah. the people we want to love and exactly we would be pushing love out into the universe and um i believe the ripple effect of your work is massive no oh, thank you natty i believe that 100 percent about you too mm, i love it i love you. what you're doing Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure. Feminine Rebellion listeners, we're going to put all of Dr. Mal's links in the show notes. Check her out. She's on Instagram. She's got like a very gorgeous feed, by the way. (laughs) It's like so delicious. I want to like crawl into your Instagram feed and take a nap. Like you come anytime. Yeah. I'm going to like come up to Nova Scotia and hang out in that very yummy light filled room right there. Um, so check her out, um, DM her on Instagram to learn more, click all the links, dive into her world. You will not regret it. I know Dr. Mal from, you know, another kind of business world we're in and she is, she's just a brilliant, brilliant woman and she's here to help heal the collective. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty fucking huge. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, Feminine Rebellion, that's it. Um, We love you madly. Peace out.